Welcome to the Tech Diva Success Podcast. This is a short weekly podcast that focuses on tools, processes, and best practices that truly fuel success for women in technology. We thank you for tuning in, and we hope you walk away with at least one best practice that will help you level up personally or professionally. What can you take action on that will make you 1% better? This show gives us space to grow that amazing potential you have inside of you by bringing you guests from all walks of life and allowing them to share their success secrets with you. I'm your host, Nicole Scheffler, and I consider myself a tech diva with over 15 years experience in a technology career. And I'm committed to sparking tech diva success with my collection of various books, podcasts, and projects, including our other podcast, the Diva Tech Talk podcast, which is all here to inspire you and is dedicated to women in technology. I know you're going to love it. So on with the show. Compass makes lives better by providing the world's technology leaders a secure place to plug in wherever they grow. They provide custom, move-in-ready data centers from edge deployments to core facilities serving hyperscale, cloud, and enterprise customers. In fact, since their inception, they have embraced sustainability with the efficient use of land, green energy, water-free cooling, and building materials. Their campus approach empowers customers with easily scalable capacity, high levels of control, and ultimate flexibility with the long-term perspective and financial strength of private investors, Redbird Capital Partners, Ontario Teachers Pension Plan, and the Ezreli Group. We thank Compass Data Centers for supporting the show today. Welcome to Tech Diva Success, where we bring people with all kinds of backgrounds to you, supporting women in tech and help make you just a little bit better with the wisdom that they have in the world. And I'm really excited to be here today with Tammy Yang. She's currently the SVP of delivery at Compass Data Centers, but let me tell you, she has so much great experience that I know our listeners are going to love because she dealt with a role as the VP of organizational development for Balfour Beatty. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you did everything in that role, Tammy. You did (laughs) policies, procedures, learning and development, talent acquisition, onboarding, DNI. You did it all. Was it fun to do all those different roles? It was. Yeah, it was. And it was new. It was different. I had not been in that world before. Yeah. Yeah. What a cool role. And then you've also had quite a professional background before that, not to mention that you served in the Navy. So thank you for your service there. And now you're here to serve us as tech divas. So thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you. We could talk about a lot of different things that help drive success for women in technologies. I don't know if you have a certain place you want to start. So, you know, um, the tech industry is pretty new for me. I just joined it literally eight months ago when I came to Compass Data Centers. It is my first role in the tech industry after leaving the general contracting field. Well, welcome. That's exciting. We get to welcome (laughs) Tammy to the tech diva world. And by the end of the show, I think you're going to see how many strengths you have from your previous background in construction. And I know that's the industry that you've specialized in, right? Tell me a little bit about that. So I come from the general contracting world. I worked for three general contractors before I came to Compass Data Centers. And and you're right, in the general contracting world, you build all kinds of things. Data Centers is one of them. 
Um, but you learn so much about what it takes to go do things like that. And so moving into the owner developer world that I'm in now with Compass Data Centers was a pretty natural transition. And the role I'm in now as SVP of delivery is really a culmination of the diverse experience I have, you know, starting in the military and that servant leadership role, moving through the general construction world where I started out on the ground as a field engineer doing, doing survey and layout, moving through the operational roles in the field, getting to Belfer BD and doing more of a, a corporate role in organizational development where I was able to draw from my experience in the field in construction and really take that company to the next level in terms of how they operate with their procedures and their policies and how they build. And really then coupling that with supporting the employees. It's one thing to say, here are the, here's your playbook. Here's how we're going to go build and how we're going to operate and do business. But it's another thing altogether to support people through organizational development and change management. And that's when I got into the world of organizational development with learning and development to train people on the policies and procedures that were being implemented. And then following through on that talent pipeline with diversity and inclusion, talent acquisition, succession planning, all of that. It all just came into one holistic, very cohesive umbrella for me for several years at Alpha BD. It was a great experience. And then that prepared me for what I'm doing now in delivery here at Compass Data Centers. Yeah, absolutely. And really, if you look at the Navy working in a construction general contractor role, and even in organizational development, where you're working with the most senior level leaders to get yeah. sponsorship buy-in and adoption of these programs that you roll out, it is often a male-dominated world. And yeah. I'm wondering how you've been able to navigate that so let me tell you, I was in the Navy for 13 years. I enlisted in the Navy out of high school. So it was just three weeks after I graduated high school. I was on a one-way flight to boot camp in Orlando, Florida when I was 18 years old. And I just, I decided not to go to college at that time. I came from a really small town in upstate New York. And there's a, there's a reason why I'm giving you this context, right? And I didn't know what I didn't know. And I said, you know, I, I can do this. And I started out at 18 in the Navy, really trying to just assimilate to the norm, to that male-dominated environment. And I was in electronics and I went, I got a lot of fabulous schooling and I was stationed at the Pentagon during Desert Storm. I worked for General Colin Powell, who was the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the time. And, and it was a phenomenal experience. And then I was noticed, you know, I, I'd started winning awards, you know, Sailor of the Year, Sailor of the Quarter. I was starting to get recognized for my hard work all the while still trying to assimilate and role model what I was viewing in my environment as what success and what good looked like for my male counterparts. I got noticed, as I mentioned, I ended up being picked up for the Naval Academy. And so I went from the enlisted ranks to the officer ranks. And I came out of the academy four years later with a commission and a degree in physics. And all the while still trying to fit the mold be like the guys, sound like the guys, act like the guys, you know, and it worked for a while. I'm not sure that I was truly happy or I felt like I ever truly fit in. You know, you can do all of those things. You can try to be and sound like everyone else, but at the end of the day, you're in an environment where you are, you are different. And when you're trying to be like everyone else, looking back on all of that now, I recognize that there was likely 
a lot that I was not bringing to the table. I was not bringing my best self to work every day because I was trying to fit the mold. And so if I was able to go back and talk to myself, then if I could go back and I would just say, no, just, just go do what you're really good at. Just be who you are in uniform, be who you are as an officer on that destroyer. And some parts of that did come out, right? Some of that did. I always had crews working for me on whatever ship I was on, whatever, wherever I was deployed. I always had teams and crews of folks who, who just worked really hard for me and who I worked really hard for because I really was raised by my parents, blue collar workers, never went to college. You, you take care of the people who depend on you, right? And so I was raised that way and you learn that in the military and I really took it to heart. And so I always took care of my people. That best part of me did come out, but I think there was a lot that I did hold back on. You know, you don't want to be too feminine, too soft because, you know, you use these words like strong leadership and driving leadership. And these are very male terms, right? But there's also a compassionate leadership. There's also very much a holistic leadership. There's also very much a servant leadership aspect where you're removing barriers. You're, you're enabling your teams to go do great things. And some of that came out in my military experience. But when I left the military after 13 years, it really started showing in the construction world, right? Because the construction world in many regards on the ground, on job sites, is even rougher than the military. And I can say that firsthand, it is rougher in many regards. And there's no tolerance for that soft, compassionate leadership in many cases. It's changing. I will say that a lot of my male counterparts, I'm seeing a difference now. We're valuing different things and we're recognizing that there is a different style of leadership that is focused on empowering our folks, hearing and leveraging and optimizing the diversity of our teams. It's really being recognized as the game changer, right? That style of leadership. And so when I compare to what I was trying to fit in with all of those years through my military upbringing and what I'm seeing in the construction industry, it's actually very exciting. And it wasn't until maybe in the last decade or so where I became very true and very genuine with what I was bringing to work every day. It is me. This is how I operate. And it's, it's only brought me more success and more joy, more fulfillment, because the folks who work for me are happier. They're more productive. We achieve greater things. And I'm just able to move more mountains. And for me, it's all about moving the mountains, either for my people or for the company or the organization I'm working for. That's kind of like the evolution of Tammy, right? You know, just coming up through and just how I've evolved as a leader and as a human. So. Let's talk about the growth. You grew, and I think we're all still growing every day. Yeah, we are. <laughs> you look back at the growth that you've had, you know, the 18-year-old enlisting in the Navy all the way to now, you've learned a lot and things have, you know, forced you out of your comfort zone, which most likely we do. You have a challenge, you overcome it, you have many failures, but you have many successes. What are some things that you can attribute to that? Was it mentorship? Was it counseling, experience, time, good bosses, good company cultures? What are some things that stand out that allowed you to feel like you can grow into the great leader that you are today? There's a few examples along, along the way. And so when I mentioned that when I was enlisted and I was at the Pentagon and I had a division officer and her name was Lieutenant Eaton. I had just made sailor of the year and she was like, you should become an officer. And I was like, okay, I really had no idea what that meant. I just did not. And she was like, no, seriously, you should go to the Naval Academy. And we talked about it for a while and I was like, okay. And so 
there's a long story there of how it happened and it's incredible and it's best told over beers, but it ended up happening. I ended up going to the Naval Academy, but I can't, I, I'll never forget her because she saw something in me that I wasn't even paying attention to. I did not think I would ever become an officer. I wasn't raised that way. My parents were blue collar and they were just like, just earn a good living, just, you know, get married, you know, do your thing, which is fine. And that was, that was a turning point for me where I was like, oh, I can do more. Oh, I can be more. Oh, there's, you know what I mean? So that kind of advocacy or leadership or somebody taking an interest in me, somebody noticing me and saying, hey, I can help you get to that next level. And she did. And I, and I'm still in touch with her to this day. So that happened early, early on. Um, Going through my naval career, you know, you flash forward to my very first destroyer and my very first deployment to the Persian Gulf. And I was one of like 12 women on that destroyer. It had just been fit out for women. We were the first wave of women. We went on a six month deployment, 250 of us on board. There's only 12 or 15 women, right? And we get to the Persian Gulf and we had these boarding teams that would go on other ships, do search and seizure and inspections of these cargo ships in the Persian Gulf. I wanted to do it because I saw the qualifications and I'm like, I know hand-to-hand combat. I know how to fire a firearm. I know. And so I, you know, I put my name in the ring and the captain came and said, look, you know, we're not really ready to have women going on these boarding teams. And I said, why not? And he was a good person, right? This captain was, and he didn't have a good answer. And he actually acknowledged that. He says, I don't have a good answer for you. He says, you're right. He says, you're going to go do this. And so it was somebody taking a chance on me in spite of the culture and the environment and the fact that it had never been done that way, right? He took, and it turned out just fine. There were never any issues. I was a respected team leader. I had a team of 10. We boarded over 30 ships in a six month deployment, no incidents, right? And we broke a barrier because up until that point, the Navy had never allowed women to go on these boarding teams. So it was myself and one other woman. We were the first two ever for the Navy. Coast Guard had been doing it for years. And I remember him, his name was Captain Kennedy, still in touch with him. And he was my very first CEO. And he gave me that opportunity and several others on that first, that first assignment, that first destroyer on where I was just breaking these little glass ceilings where women JOs, junior officers, were just one, we were unusual. We hadn't been on destroyers yet. And we were filling these roles that a lot of people were like, that's not for you to do. That's not, and this captain was like, no, that's for her to do. She's got the same training as everybody else. And oh, by the way, she's she's a sharpshooter on the handgun and the rifle and these other guys just barely qualified. So it was a male leader who was advocating for me and really challenging himself to say, yeah, I don't know why not. Go, go forth, you know? So that happened. And then recently in construction, I've had male mentors and female mentors. I've had both. And I've benefited greatly from all of them. People who I've been able to bounce tough, tough issues off of, people who I've gotten career guidance from, and people who've just given me opportunities, you know, when I've raised my hand. And they created the safe space for me to say, hey, can I be considered for that? Hey, what about me? Do you think I'm ready for something like that? And they've given me the feedback and they've given me the opportunities and they've been that voice at the table for me. And so what ended up happening was that by merit of those folks who had seen something in me and given me a chance or paved a way or opened a door for me or given me good counsel on things, I actually learned those behaviors as well. And so 15, 20 years ago, 
I started turning around to my other side and I started finding those junior women under me and started doing the same thing, emulating the same behaviors like, hey, you're really good at that. Or, hey, when you when you gave that presentation today, that was spectacular. People were paying attention to you. You need to do more of that. You know, I started returning it in kind. And I and that had even accelerated my growth even more because not only was I being helped along the way, the fact that I was able to turn around and start applying that and helping others accelerated my growth as a leader too, if that makes sense. I think that's kind of yes. karma or the surf. I absolutely love what you're talking about. I always say you reach up, reach down because you can yes. always teach someone below something. So I'm sure many people are listening. I got goosebumps listening to your journey about the person giving you the chance, right? And I think yes. back to how grateful I am for so many people who have given me chances. Maybe yes. you could take this as a call to action to thank them. So for those that are listening and have experienced, maybe shoot them a LinkedIn note, think about them, maybe say hello, check in. That's always a good reminder, but this is the harder one, Tammy. What if someone's listening, thinking, I don't have that. I wish I had that. I wish I had a company that would let me take those chances. That's the tougher question. How can our listeners out there who are saying, I wish, and I've never had that. What is it that can help them break into something like that, that can also help them grow? I will say that at my last company before this one at Belfer Beattie, I was in that role. I was in that mindset as well, to be honest. And even in the company before that, when I was still in operations, I was still in the field on project sites, I would see things and I'd be like, I wish I would be considered for that. I think I could really do something in that kind of a role, you know? And so two companies ago, and then one company ago was the point in my maturing and evolution as a leader, as as a woman in the construction industry, where I started saying, hey, I have an idea. Can I pitch this? Or, hey, could I talk to you for a few minutes? So I went from the, I wish, or geez, I wonder if they would ever consider that, or I wish I was in a company that would even entertain something like that. I moved out of that phase. And that happened probably 10 to 15 years ago. I just decided, you know what, I'm going to figure out. I'm going to figure out if they would entertain this. But you don't know until you step forward. Because the worst thing that's going to say is, yeah, we're not interested, or you never hear back. And silence is a good indicator as well, right? And I've received that. That has been some of the feedback I've gotten when they just didn't have an appetite for what I was offering. You just get silence or, oh, hey, that's that's good. Yeah, let me think on that. And then they never get back to you. That has totally happened to me. Okay, 10-4. I tried, at least now I know. And I'm not saying I wish or I wonder. I tried and the answer was no. So now I know this isn't the company that's going to be entertaining that. But in other cases, I raised my hand, I threw my hat in the ring, and they were like, yes, let's go for it. Let's do that. You don't know until you try. You just, you don't know until you speak up, pitch an idea, and it could be a couple of PowerPoint slides. It could be a napkin sketch. It could be standing up and saying, hey, I need 15 minutes in our next team meeting. I want, I have an idea. It could be that, but go for it. Just give it a try and see the response you get. That's what I would offer. You have to do that because they can't read your mind. They don't know the good idea that's in your head. You know? I love it. It's a little bit of being bold. Yes. Kind of yeah. finding your power mm-hmm. and going for it. And one of the principles as I studied Jack Canfield is ask, 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 like ask. What's the worst yeah. they can say? No. In no. the career part that I haven't talked about yet is the role I'm in right now. I'm the senior vice president of delivery at Compass Data Centers, which means 
globally, I am heading up the construction and the delivery of all of the data centers we're building in North America, in Europe, in Israel, right, everywhere. And I did not join the company eight months ago with this role in mind. I didn't. I joined the company to be the vice president of program delivery. I'm just being very honest with you. And it was similar and it is an extension and a, and a larger role than what I was doing at my previous company. And I was good with that. I, I enjoy that work. And then a few months into it, organizational changes happened. Members of the leadership team, the CEO here at Compass Data Centers, they're like, she's demonstrating some stuff that we're looking for. She is, she is potentially the missing piece of the puzzle that we need, right? And so we started talking about it. They were like, hey, what do you think it would be like this? It, the role would involve that. You would stretch this way. We could backfill the position you're in right now. We could bring you in more resources to help you. What do you think? And again, here I am, 50 years old, and I still wasn't seeing myself in that next role, that next position. It was the CEO and other members of the leadership team were like, what about her? Look what she's demonstrating. And again, humility in, I wasn't seeing myself that way. It's, it's a continuing evolution. But this time, when I was offered a, a situation like this, an opportunity like this, I didn't say, well, I don't know, let me think about it. Or when I was, I was offered, hey, you should go to the Naval Academy. You should be an officer. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. I didn't say that this time. I said, okay, I'll give that a go. Right. And so I think I've been very fortunate over the years. I think I've been blessed to just work with really amazing, great people who've been open-minded and who are progressive and who are staying true to what they value. We say we value certain things in leaders in different levels and different roles and organizations, but the companies that are really starting to act on it are the ones that are moving the needle and starting to really differentiate themselves in the world. They just really are. It's very humbling. So you say you're seeing the business benefit of the investment in diversity, really. What's the quote that you can't get there doing what you've always done? Yeah. What got you here will not get you there. Yeah. Yes. What got you here will not get you there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to pivot and ask you some more questions because it's so good here. The pandemic has rocked many things. It's digital acceleration that's in many companies. I'm sure you're seeing that in your role leading the data centers. And it has also accelerated many things in the work culture. So I would love for you to talk about the opportunities for both. So start with the opportunities that the pandemic has done for technology, digital, whatever area of passion that you're interested in, and follow that with what you think it's done for culture, behavior, diversity, inclusion. I'd love to hear kind of how you perceive both of those things as advantages coming out of uh, what's the crazy pandemic. It's, it's all been positive, right? It's all been advantages in terms of both of those questions. It has flipped everything on its head, especially in the industry we're in. You know, you can say we're in the tech industry, like here I am now, or in the construction industry, but it's hard to change. It's hard to change entire industries from doing the way we've always done it. And when the pandemic hit, the construction industry was just knocked back on its heels, right? We relied on being face-to-face in the field every day. We just relied on it. And all of the support teams in the district offices, division offices, all of that, 
we don't know how to work unless we see each other every day in our cubes, in the offices, working. And what has happened was that it shut all of that down. It shut down, no, this is the way we have to do it because we could not do it that way. And immediately what you saw was you saw employees who had started dabbling in Teams and in Zoom and all of these technologies. And people were like, I can't collaborate that way. Don't send it to me that way. Just come talk to me about it, right? Well, all of a sudden now we kind of have to do it that way. And so it forced us to change the way we work and it forced us to change the way we interact with each other. We've learned that being face-to-face on cameras all day is really, really exhausting but we've also learned other ways to collaborate and share online with different technologies. And so of course, now the data center is, industry is booming because we can't provide enough capacity globally to satisfy all of these needs. And the hyperscalers are just screaming for more capacity. And that is all super, super exciting. The, and what's available to us to start providing people to make, make accessible, the technology is changing so rapidly and we need so much more volume, so much more quickly. It's actually pretty mind boggling, but it's a positive. What it's doing is it's causing this void of, of talent, of ideas, of resources. It's causing this huge void because we have to answer this demand because we're not going back to the way it was. We're going to return to some point somewhere somewhere between where we are and where it used to be, but we're not going all the way back because we realize we don't have to. I have many teammates in my, my last company who are much more productive and happier and fulfilled working from home. They were because they were we were actually treating them like adults. We were trusting them as a company, as a culture, as an industry. I can't see you, but I have to trust that you're getting work done. So many people struggled with that. And I watched it and I'm like, do you think that because you saw them at their desk every day that they were working and being productive? That's not management. That's not leadership. So it has redefined all of these things for us. And there are no industries that are going to go back to the way it was. And I think it's a tremendously valuable thing. I think it's phenomenal. We shouldn't because life balance There is no work-life balance. It is just life balance. And sometimes work is taking up more of your time. Sometimes life is taking up more of your time and that's okay, you know, but having this flexibility now, making, making the capacity and the online and the virtual, the technologies available to people more readily is enabling us to enjoy life more, to be more productive in the workspace and to bring more ideas into the workspace and to accelerate what we're doing even more. And that is where I think the true, the true wins are, because now with this sucking void we have for the ideas and the innovation and just the mass production of data centers and the creation of this capability, we absolutely need the diversity, right? We need the people coming in from different industries. I mean, I came from the military. I came from the general contracting world. I have a degree in physics and a master's in HR what do you do with that? That is such a mishmash of experience and knowledge. And it, it, But here I am in the data center world now, right? Making an impact. I'm making a difference. And that's powerful. And so many people from all walks of life and backgrounds and diverse educational backgrounds and experiences, people coming into the workforce for the first time, they're coming in with the ideas and the talent and the energy we need. And now we are starting to unlock our biases to say, I need a four-year degree. I need this many years of experience in this and this and this. 
I say, I don't necessarily care if you have a degree or not. I would like to know how do you work under pressure? Can you multiple, can you, can you juggle multiple projects at one time? How do you handle information flow in the face of pressure and deadlines? You know, that those are the kinds of things I want to know and the folks that we bring on board. It's not just me. It's happening everywhere. And so those are the win-wins that I'm seeing. It's um, can you move fast enough? Love it. Absolutely. And that's what makes both technology and diversity exciting right now. Yeah. Technology yeah. to drive the new world that we're going to live in. And we need the diverse people to get the ideas to have it there. Well, we are definitely up on the end of time. So very quickly, I'm going to get your final thoughts and then how people can reach you in case they want to reach out after this. My final thought is, is that um, just pay attention to what you're gravitating towards. You know, I have always, through my years in the military, through my years in construction, one thing that I have always gravitated towards is just the humanity of all of us, right? And how do I make that better? I've always paid attention to that through through my whole life. And I have, over the years, if I look back, I have just gradually been making my way towards roles where I can make that impact and be that difference maker in the world. And it started in the military where I was that servant leader and I was taking care of my teams on rough deployments and, you know, really hard times. And it continued when I was in the field and folks would want me on their construction teams because I was called the glue. I just brought those teams together and, and it continued when I was at Balfour Beatty in organizational development. And I was able to draw from all of those experiences and, and really elevate the game of an entire company. And now here I am in the data center world, making accessible to, I don't know how many people or how many organizations across the globe, just, just the ability to connect and take their own ideas and their own initiatives and their own plans forward to make the world better, to make it better for humanity. And that's what it's all about. And so my final thought for everyone would be is to, to pay attention to the voice in your head that says, you know what, that really interests me over there. I keep looking at that. Find a way to get there. Just find a way to get there and be true to yourself and don't worry so much about assimilating. Bring, bring your authentic self to the table and keep paying attention to where you want to be. It's, it's there. The, the intersection is there. So great. Words of wisdom from Tammy Yang herself, transformational leader. And if people want to reach out to you, is LinkedIn best? LinkedIn is the best way. Um, Tamara Yang, you'll see me in there. Well, watch her shine because she is going to keep bringing this great leadership, her diverse leadership and her new way of thinking, uh, which is so powerful. So thank you for your thank leadership. You. And welcome to the Tech Diva world. We warmly uh, welcome you. And that is the beauty of it. We've had just recently several new tech divas, and that's because we need you. We need all people of all walks of life as well in technology to create the future. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you again. Thank you again for listening. We really hope this sparks something in you that you can use to manifest more success in your life. Please give us a rating or review. We would love to see how the show has inspired you. You can also connect with Tech Diva Success on Twitter Insta and Facebook. We're very easy to find under that name. And we hope this episode was fire for you.